0: Amen. All right, Bobby, you ready for this one? All right, here we go. He's perhaps the most overshadowed and overlooked of all the founding fathers. Yet without this guy, there would not have been an American Revolution at all. He was born in 1722 in Boston, and his parents were religious and politically active. And and not just any religion either, but his mother and father were both devout Puritans, Christians. And his second cousin was even John Adams. So as you would expect with this type of family upbringing, and he was soon graduated from Harvard, which again was started by Reverend John Harvard, not like today, uh, and and he focused on politics. And sure enough, he became an influential uh, official of the Massachusetts House of Representatives. He joined the movement against Britain's efforts to tax the American colonies without permission, helping to coin the phrase, maybe you've heard it, no taxation without representation. In fact, it said that this man and his political ideals became the architect of American republicanism and shaped the whole political culture of the whole United States. And like many others of his time, though, especially from a Christian Puritan background, he not only used his political powers to encourage people to resist the tyranny of man, but also to resist the spiritual bondage of sin. And he would actually encourage people with words like this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous flee to it and are safe. Quoting verbatim Proverbs 18. And he says, so therefore, let us secure his favor, God's favor. He will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better one. And then he encouraged the people to spread the gospel, saying words like this. The confusions that have been among the nations may be overruled. How? By promoting and bringing in, not politics, but the holy and happy period when the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are established everywhere. In fact, even in his own will, he even stated where his real treasure lie." His real hope. And it wasn't in politics, it was in Jesus Christ. He said, I commend my soul to that almighty being who gave it. And I give my body, I commit it to the dust, relying upon, listen, the merits of Jesus Christ for the pardon of all my sins. In his will. And today he is still known in our country as one of the greatest politicians, statesmen, signer of the Declaration of Independence, a ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, and again, literally the father of of the American Revolution. In fact, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams all acknowledged that they built our nation squarely on this man's foundations. His name, of course, was Samuel Adams. Here's the guy that made the beer. No, Don, he didn't make the beer, they named it after him. (laughs) And that's not the point either, okay? I know you're gonna get there. There's something better than Having a beer named after you, okay, okay. How many of you guys would say that Samuel Adams, man, he had a pretty cool life as a Christian, right? I mean, here's one guy raised up in a Christian family. God used him. He got educated. He got equipped. What? Not only for the foundation of our country, but ultimately in his own words, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, you need to get politically active, but ultimately the Savior is who? Jesus Christ, okay. That's a life worth living for. But as you guys know, once again, we got a problem. What's going on in the American church today? Even though God's the same God and we're just as much Christians as Samuel Adams was, right? What's going on? It seems like there's a disconnect. Most of us, we read the Bible on one hand. We hear these stories of these people who get to do these amazing things with God. And we look at our lives today and we're going, what's going on here? There's a a disconnect. It's not matching up. How come these people like Samuel Adams, you know, they get to do these amazing things for Jesus. God literally used one Christian God to affect the course of a whole nation. How come I'm not experiencing that? I don't have this life worth living for. i got to... Look got life we for giving up. You ever been there? But folks, this is the great news of our study. It doesn't have to be that way. This kind of life, a life worth living for, like Samuel Adams had, is available to every single Christian. Once again, let's actually try it. More than three people turn to somebody and say, hey, that means you. <laughs> hey, we got four this time. We're moving. All right, and that's why we're going to continue our study, a life worth living for, a life worth living for. Now, what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys I believe are pivotal if we're going to have that amazing month with Jesus Christ like Samuel Adams had. We saw that first key was experiencing God's joy. We saw that uh, for a while there. Then we saw the second key was experiencing God's peace. It's a wonderful two-bang punch, right? It's a gift on top of salvation to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Then we saw the next four times was experiencing God's worship. Be that positive advertisement. Walk around like Jesus really is the answer for all of our ills, you know, and that shows in our mouth, okay? Then last time if you are here, we saw the fourth one is experiencing god's fruit and to me this is just common sense hello okay if we're ever going to get around to reading these lies or living these lives that we keep reading about every single week about some christian in some moment in history recent late that who did some amazing things for god if we're going to live those lives we got to do something about it right you you got to you got to experience god's fruit you got to i.e obey him otherwise you're wasting your time it just stays that dream like maybe someday and some no you got to do something about it Okay? And the first thing we saw we need to learn if we're going to have that fruitful walk with Jesus Christ is what I called an appreciative obedience. We have to, in other words, see the value in obeying God. Turn to somebody and say, It's good to obey God. Okay? Name one command that's bad for us. No, they're all for good. And yet the enemy tricks us to say, Oh, if I obey God, it's so boring. You know, I'm going to miss out on so much fun. No! All of God's commands are for our good, okay? And we saw the examples of that in God's people, God's word, and his leadership. It was a simple paradigm. You obey God, good things. Oh, and by the way, let me say this, okay? Because it doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. Because you're still going to have challenges as a Christian. Jesus promised that. But the thing is, if you want to have the best possible life this side of heaven, get busy obeying God. I didn't say perfect. Perfect. That's a lie from the pit of hell, from the word of faith heretics. Perfect life, perfect wealth, perfect health. That's a lie. Okay, but here's my point. If you obey God, just do what He says. Listen, I didn't say you're going to escape pain. But you keep being persevering and obeying God, you're going to come out on top sooner or later. That's the point, okay? But that's the best way to go. And we saw that in our example. You obey God, you get His blessings, you disobey Him, what happens? You reap what you sow. You get a big old blob of junk on the back of your head. Remember that? (laughs) Exploding blob, right? And it wasn't God's fault. It's just we didn't do what he says. Obey me. I'll take care of you. Trust me, okay? It may not be perfect, but you do what I say. I'm going to take care of you. And you're going to come out on top. Why would you want to heap fire into your lap? Why would you want to go down the road that's going to invite nothing but pain? Okay? You need to see the value in obeying God. Appreciative obedience. Now, the second thing... Okay, that we need to learn if we're going to experience that fruitful walk with Jesus is we need to now make a decision about it And I mean a deliberate one the word that the Bible uses is called consecrated Okay, a consecrated obedience. I have decided to follow Jesus Not once in a while not when I just first prayed that prayer that first day when I got saved Every single day I have consecrated myself unto God And that word there consecrated means you are set apart for him now him now not you you Him. And I'm set apart, what, just thinking about him? No, I'm devoted to him. I am serious about obeying him. It's all about him. It's all about doing what he says. Because you have to? No! Love, as Paul says, is our motive. Love is what compels us. Because our salvation is completely, 100% free and clear. He's done it all. We all, myself included, deserve to die and go straight to hell. We can't change that. He came and rescued us and set us free who wouldn't want to say hey can i wash your car take you out to eat can i do right it's just it's it's love right but i've decided i i'm so grateful i'm so thankful for what he's done i am i'm convinced especially after last week i appreciate the value of obeying god i've got in my head it's locked in here i know i'm not gonna have a perfect life but if i want the best possible life this side of heaven i've got to get busy obeying him because the other way leads to destruction I'm done with that. I've decided. I've consecrated myself to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the point. When you daily do that, listen, when you daily make a point to say, I am going to follow Jesus, not just when you first get saved. Every day, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. Can I tell you the benefit? You get to experience his blessings. Listen, not a perfect life, but his blessings on a regular basis. You understand the importance of this? You obey him once in a blue moon, and then you wonder why things are going down the tubes. But if you obey him on a regular basis, in general, it keeps you from going, how many of you guys have been on that spiritual road? Every day when you consecrate yourself to him, I am serious about this. I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to obey him today. You literally have that come out of your mouth every day. And believe it or not, folks, this is nothing new. This is something that Joshua had challenged the people of his day. You need to consecrate yourselves unto God. Every day you need to get up and you need to choose who are you going to serve? And it should be an easy choice. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your bibles to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. Let's take a look at how he challenged the people. And this is towards the end of his ministry there. Joshua 24. If you find Deuteronomy what do you do? Hang right. That's right. That's right. If you find Joshua what do you do? Go to 24, and then tell them to get in here. Service has already started. He missed my whole intro. And Samuel Adams, no. Uh, J- uh, Joshua 24, and uh, let's take a look. Verse 1 through 15, here's the big challenge, okay? Very serious stuff, all right? Towards the end, Okay. Joshua, here's what he says. Verse one, he assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He assembled the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. How many guys would say, hey, important announcement is about to be made. Everybody get here. I got to tell you something very important. And so listen to what he says. He reminds them. He says to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago. Don't forget this. How many times have I taken care of you? uh, long ago, including Terah, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, they lived beyond the river and worshiped other gods. But I, God, took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sarah to Esau, but to Jacob and his sons, they went down to Egypt. Now, we all know they went down to Egypt. They got into bondage and slavery for hundreds of years. Okay, then what happened? God saw that, he took care of them. So then I sent Moses and Aaron and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. I brought you out of all that stuff. And then then I brought your fathers out through Egypt. You came to the sea and then guess what? Yeah, things weren't perfect, but guess what? The Egyptians, they pursued them with chariots. Okay, it wasn't looking good. They had horsemen coming after you as far as the Red Sea, but what? They cried to the Lord for help and, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and he brought the sea over them and he covered them and you saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. And then you lived in the desert for a long time and the scripture says, Not even their soles or their feet, their clothes didn't wear out. God's supernatural provided them for them the manna every single day. So He took care of them there. Then, sure enough, He brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. Who gave them? God gave them into their hands. I destroyed them before you, and I took posse- and you took possession of their land. And then here comes this Balak guy, the son of Zippor, the king of uh, Moab. He prepared to fight against Israel. He actually sent Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. So he bl- uh, blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. And then you crossed over the Jordan. He came to Jericho. And the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as also did the Amorites and the uh, Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites in them. Oh, I'm sorry, those were, uh, (laughs) you might as well throw them in there too. Okay, but I gave them into your hands, God said. And then I sent the hornet ahead of you, which uh, uh, drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, and you didn't do it with your own sword and bow, God did it. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them, and you eat from the vineyards, and olive groves, and you did not plant. Now here's the whole point, God, I've taken care of you over and over and over again. I've rescued you, I've provided for you, I've given you things that you didn't even work for what's the logical response now fear the lord and serve him once in a while whenever you get around to it i'm sorry with all faithfulness throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in egypt and serve the lord but you got a choice to make if serving the lord seems undesirable to you Then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, how they work out for you, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will what? We will serve the Lord. It was an absolute, deliberate decision that he challenged the people of Israel. He's laying down the gauntlet, Joshua, and basically saying, people, make up your mind. I'm about to go. I've been used of God. I've, he's had me as your leader to lead you in the paths of righteousness to follow God, but I'm not always going to be here. You need to make up your mind. You need to make up your mind. I may, as for me, my house, we made up our mind. But you need to make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? As for me, and my family, we're consecrated to God. We're set apart for Him. We're going to obey Him, of course. And notice the context of that challenge. What was it? Hey, this is an easy choice. <laughs> I mean, how many times has God got to deliver? Did, did the other gods do that stuff for you? Did they deliver you from the Egyptians? Did they provide supernaturally for you? Did they give you the victory? No. God has taken care of you again and again and again. It should be a simple slam dunk decision, but God wants a relationship with you. You got your choice to make. As for me, We are consecrated to this truth. I want God's blessing. I want his protection. I want his provision. Oh, they went through battles, just like us today. But you follow God, eventually what happens? You will come out on top. One way or another, sooner or later, Christian, you will come out on top. And so he consecrated themselves to that. Consecrate yourselves to God. Set yourself apart unto him. Obey him. Enjoy his provision. And this is nothing new. Okay, this is towards the end of his ministry. If you look at the first chapter, he said, the first, he said it right at the very beginning. He lived it consistently. Joshua chapter one, verse seven through eight, he says this, be careful. Be careful to obey how much of the law? All of it that my servant Moses gave you. Why? Because you gotta be serious about this. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right of it. I mean, be serious. Why? So that you may be successful wherever you go. Again, name one command that's bad for us. They're all for our good, Right? The enemy's got it so soul twisted today. In fact, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate, literally chew on this thing, man. Day and night, you're filled with, how can I obey God? God, what do you want me to do now? Do you remember how sensitive your heart used to be when you first got saved? I remember that. I remember two weeks old in the Lord, I'm calling up my sister, the only Christian at that time, and I'm literally going like this. Okay, now what? I'm reading the Bible, but okay, now what, what, what's God want me to do? Now what? Okay, what else? Anything else? I want to obey him. I'm so sick and tired of living that worldly way. I want want God's blessing. What do do you want me to do? And I'm just just nailing him down. Okay, okay, what else? Yeah, okay, I'll start doing that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Remember that? I I mean, it's not going to depart me. I'm on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Why? Then you will be prosperous and successful. And he's not talking finances. But in general, and it doesn't mean you're not going to go through battles. You are. But you keep following God. You sit, man, I'm... mm." And eventually, Christian, you're going to come out on top. Okay? How many times does he have to tell people there at the beginning, our opening text at the end, if you want to experience the best possible life, this side of heaven, you need a choice every single day. You need to consecrate yourselves to God. Do what he says. It's awesome. It's all good for you. It shouldn't be a hard decision, but you need to make the choice. I did it, me my family, but I can't make it for you. I wish I had that easy button I could push mm, and make you all do it. But God wants a relationship. That's your decision. That's what me and my family are doing. We have separated ourselves unto God. We are devoted to him and to his laws. We're listening to what he says. We want to do what he says. We're making that our mission. And so that's the benefit. That's the challenge. And so our challenge today is, are we doing that? Are we still doing that? Remember when we first got saved? Oh, yeah. But how are we doing now? Are we still just as much consecrated to obeying him, doing whatever he says? Why? Because we have to know because we love him. And yes, of course, we always want to come out on top. We're so sick and tired of being burned by the world's way. Uh -uh, I'm not set apart for that anymore. I'm set apart for Jesus. Are we still living like that? Well, we're going to have a little bit of an acid test today. We could say that because we're Christians, right? you got to say the right stuff, especially on Sundays, especially in that anointed thing called the pew. <laughs> Who came up with that anyway? I mean, that doesn't even sound spiritual, let alone enticing. Here, have a seat in the pew. <laughs> yeah, just, I've never got that. I guess I wasn't raised in the church. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so let's take the acid test. We all know the right answer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure I am. Billy, yeah, festival, yeah, yeah. The first way we know that we are not consecrated to God, we've actually gotten re-consecrated back to this wicked world system is when we no longer give God our desires. Ooh, oh, he's going meddling already. We're just getting started. And David, David once again sets the example. Remember we saw last week, he was a man after God's own heart, right? Let's say when you have a heart after God, you desire him and you desire to be obedient to him. Because again, his way is the best way, man. He's the one to get you out of all the scrapes right? Let's take a look at what he says here. Psalm chapter 40, verse one through two and three and eight. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. It might take some time before you see coming out on top, but you trust him, obey him, still do what he says. He turned to me, God did, and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of this slimy pit, out of this muck and mire. You ever been there? What's the way out? It's God's way. That's the only way out of your pit. World wants to keep you in it. Okay, and God, here's what he did. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song on my mouth. Woo, yeah, a hymn of praise to our God. I, what, oh, woo, I desire. Man, God, look what you did for me. You, you, you brought me out. You delivered me out of this. I, I, what's the natural response? I desire to do your will. Oh, my God, your law. There's nothing casual about this, man. It is in my heart. David is so glad that God delivered him again and again and again. The lion, the bear, the glide. How many scrapes? King Saul. He saw the track record, man. It didn't mean you're not going to have scrapes. You're going to have those lions and bears and King Saul and Goliath. But you just get busy doing what God says to do. You get the victory through him. David been through that so many times. Even though it may take a while, I waited patiently. But sure enough, God, woo! I desire. To do your will. This is the way out of this myth. This is my way of life. This is my, listen, greatest desire. There's nothing casual about it at all. Oh, maybe once in a while. Now I feel convicted. I guess I better... I've learned the hard way, man. Deliverance only comes from God. Obey him. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. As Joshua says, as for me, King David, I'm set apart for God every single day. This is my focus. This is my desire. And I want to be successful and prosperous everywhere I go. I'm serious about it. And he experienced that. Again, we know David wasn't perfect. But how many guys would say when the dust settled, David came out on top? Same thing today. He desired to be obedient to God. This was his primary focus. This was his primary passion, even when people made fun of him. His own wife made fun of him when he's dancing before the Lord. She got the cursing, not him. I don't care if the whole world makes fun of me. I'm going to obey God. I love him. He desired to be obedient to God. Okay. Now, unfortunately, how do you know if that's not you? You just trace down where your desires are. That's really what it is. We know know we're supposed to desire God. Who gets your time? Who gets your passion? Who gets your interest? Who do you bust your back for primarily? See, the problem is, we're not so much consecrated to God anymore because we've been duped. And we're now consecrated to this wicked world system to run after things. Because we think that if we get more things or something in this world... Right? See, I need deliverance. I'm in a muck and a mire position, but you know what? I don't need God. I, I need a vacation to the Bahamas. That'll fix everything. You see, I know, listen, I'm, I'm facing a Goliath here, and, and you know, we're like, I need a new car. That's what I need. You know, I'm serious. Oh, man, here comes a king. Saul. Ah, what do I need? Hey, I, I need a new wardrobe. That's going to fix it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that what the commercials say? Right? You don't need God. You having a bad day? Welcome to the club. <gasps> don't seek him. You need this thing. Don't tell me we don't do it because we even have a term to describe us doing it. It's called the rat race. And you know, when you run the rat race, you run like a rat. Turn to somebody and say, Wow, that was profound, Pastor Billy. (laughs) That's not even on the back of the granola bar. (laughs) But you get the fruit of that. You don't get deliverance from God, you don't get his peace, you don't get out of the muck and the mire. It gets worse. Listen to this, I love this guy's description. Here's how they got us running all week long. He said, this century's mad dash of innovation has produced the most frantic human era ever, ever, okay? We phone, we fax, we page, we email, we race from one end of the life to the other, rarely glancing over our shoulders. Technology, mass media, the desire to do more, do it better, do it yesterday, has turned us into a world of hurriers. Stop and smell the roses, are you kidding me? I ain't got time, no more. Instead, we got a world of seven day dives, 24 hour news channels, one hour photo, 30 minute pizza delivery, 10 minute facials, two minute mornings and minute rice. We got fast food, fast computers, fast cars and fast lanes, uh, Blu-ray players with five fast forward settings. We got sound bites, rat race, instant coffee, Get rich. Live fast. Die young. Leave a good-looking corpse. Run on empty. Just do it. Hey, plans to go. People to meet. Planners to fill. Files to download. Bills to pay. Planes to catch. Frozen dinners to nuke. Websites to serve. Kids to pick up. Stress to manage. And speeding tickets to pay. Woo! Let's just close in prayer. No. That's how we live, isn't it? I ain't got time for God. All right, so I don't desire Him like I used to when I first got saved. I do desire to be obedient to Him, but... Don't you understand? I'm busy. With what? What are you desiring? And is that how you're going to get out of the mess? More of the world? No. Okay? It's not. And that's the game. You see, it starts out seemingly simple. But then you've got to do it more. And 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 then you have less and less and less and less and less time for God. Oh, you think about Him maybe once in a while, but you don't desire Him. And you're locked into this wicked world system that is ruining everything. Oh, and by the way, it gets even worse. Uh, just in case there's a little bit left time over to maybe even possibly think about God, let alone going, uh, did, I even, did I even make a mental note that I'm going to live for Jesus today and I'm consecrated to Him? Uh, just in case there might be a little bit left over after running that crazy rat race, they've got these things called dramatic pause. <laughs> hobbies, woo, yeah, huh? I mean, just in case you had a little bit of time, you got to have that hobby thing going, right? Because that's how you're going to have peace in your life. Oh, he's going to Midland now. Let's take a look. I looked at this this week. Let's take a look at the top 10 hobbies for men and women. Okay, that's out there in general in the United States. Here, here's what we got. We got fishing. We got grilling. We got working out. I, just, I try to wear baggy clothes, Dave, to hide it all. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> working out. Uh, coaching. Uh, billiard. Just playing pool. That's right. Uh, collecting. Target shooting. Rocketry. Home brewing. That's right. And who are going to forget what it is today. Oh, that's right. Sports she you got a little bit of time. Ooh, uh-oh. Oh, but hey, ladies, you got your own top ten too. Let's take a look. You got oh, writing, reading, uh, walking that dog. That's right. Watching movies, arts and crafts, knickknack, pattywax is what I call them. Okay, but uh, in case you got a little bit of time left there, uh, hey, but you got cooking, you got running, you got wine tasting, gardening, and shopping. Woo! Yeah, now you can go get that thing that you've been working so hard for. Man, I'm getting some ugly stairs today. But here's my point, folks. I get it. I'm not against hobbies. I used to have some back in the early 70s. No. <laughs> I get it. You got to have some downtime. I get that. But that's not my point. My point is we're, they, the world's got us so run and ragged on this rat race thing, which is a mistake in the first place. No, now I get it. You need, hello, you need to get a job. You need to work. You need a place to live. Right? So you need to be responsible. I'm not against that. But if that's all you're doing, something's wrong. And then you got a little bitty teeny weeny window of spare time. And it's all sucked up by these things. And, and, and granted, folks, again, in moderation, most of those things, they're not necessarily even sinful. I, I get that. But here's my whole point in the grand scheme of things. Why, God, how come I'm not experienced deliverance? And I'm still stuck with this lion and this bear and this Goliath and this king's soul never leaves me. How much time are you given to God? how much time are you given to God? You actually think that hobby, with all due respect, is going to bring you peace more than God. What? What little time we have left every single day, we're not only tricked into running this rat race, but, but then they, oh, but, but, do this too, to take that little ass second of time. And you go to sleep and you get up and you do it all over again. Five years later, you go, you, you, you ever been there? Man, it feels like God's a million miles away. What happened? Said this before, say it again, got it from another guy. If it ever feels like God has moved and he feels like he's a million miles away, guess who moved? Not him, you did. You got tricked. And, and this is the challenge that Joshua lays before the people. Are you kidding me? How in the world could you do this? I mean, after all God's done, he delivered you and the cross, and we're not going to hell, and he's forgiven you of all of your sins, and even as a Christian, even when we fumble and bumble, myself included, he still loves you, picked you up, cleans you up, takes care of you. What? And you can't give him anything? It's about a goofy
1: of the decision, as these people make. Let's take a look at this. It's your lucky day today. You win a free 10 ounce silver bar, pure silver bullion, or a free Hershey's king size chocolate bar. You'll take the chocolate bar. Who needs a 10 ounce bar of silver? Have a good day. It's your choice. A free 10 ounce bar of silver bullion or a free king size Hershey bar.
2: I think I'll take the Hershey bar.
1: Go ahead. It's your lucky day. Just fresh out of the refrigerator. Thank you. Thank you very much. Who needs a 10 ounce bar of silver when you can have a good, delicious bar of chocolate, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, all right, thank you. Thank you. Which one do you want? Probably the chocolate, because I'm a girl and it's been a cranky day. Okay, it's yours. Eat it quick, because it's getting hot out here. No, it's fine. You'd rather have the Hershey bar than the silver bar? Yes, I would. Oh, you would. You eat the silver bar. Yeah, that's right. You can't eat the silver. What are you going to do with a 10-ounce bar of silver, right? <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I looked it up this week. I could not believe it. There was tons more than that. Okay. I did the research right now as we speak. This week, a 10-ounce bar of silver is worth $140. $140. Bucks. Chocolate bar, less than a buck. <laughs> what? What did those sayings go last week? Did you forget to pay your brain bill? Did the cheese done slide off your cracker? Are you a few fries short of a happy meal? Is your wheel is spinning, but your hamster's done dead? Are you kidding me? Who would choose a chocolate bar over the silver bar? It's not even close. It's 140 to 1. (laughs) And that's what Joshua, I think, is saying to the people. And if you read the next book, Judges, they... they chose the chocolate bar. <laughs> even after he challenged them, kidding me. After all God has done, you go back to the world's way, you know where I'm going. Folks, we're doing the same thing with this rat race. And even hobbies, I get it, we need to relax. But hobbies at the expense of God, thinking that these things are going to deliver us. Out of our muck and mire. You know what the scripture says? Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, simple decision. I want the silver bar. I don't want the chocolate bar. I want God. And it's such an obvious conclusion because every time when I follow him and obey him, it's not perfect. I've got battles, but I always come out on top. But you got your choice to make. I wish I had that button for you. Choose that which is far, far better. And can I tell you something? It ain't gonna happen. It'll stay in dream world unless every day you get into that habit just like when you first got saved. I surrender all to Jesus. I choose to follow him, not just one moment in time when I first confess my sins to him, but today and every day that he gives me, I follow him. Turn to somebody and say, don't choose chocolate bar. Don't choose chocolate bar. Okay. Desire obedience to God. You have to be deliberate about it. Make a consecrated choice. Now, the second sign real quick. How do we know? That's your first acid test. Where are my desires? And you'll find out your desires with your time and your heart and your passion. Let's just be honest. God. Oh, as if God doesn't see this. We'll get to that in a second. But then, you know, you're Christians, right? We're Christians. Feeling kind of guilty now. But we can still blow it when we do this, when we no longer give God our best. Not our worst. When you stop giving Him your best. Let me describe for you, I'm sure, unfortunately, a weird church way down south. It's got to be m- millions of miles from here. But this scenario is people who actually do this. You just go through the motions. Right? You just bunch in your spiritual time clock. You act like, you. Just, hey, come on, I did enough. You, 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 you show up next week, maybe, depending on your schedule. You give God the bare minimum every week it's just to give up appearances to somehow look spiritual. But we wouldn't do that, would we? I mean, after all God's done for us, we actually get into the position that we give God, here's the word for today, you give God leftovers. After running that rat race, after what little time we got left, squirreled away at that little hobby, oh, oh, that's right, it's Sunday again. There you go, God. Hi. Uh, for those of you who didn't see that on camera or here, that was a piece of lint. <laughs> you give God the leftover? Are you kidding me? We give Him our worst, not our best. Well, before we get into that, maybe we need to remind ourselves of what Jesus said, the positive benefits, the wonderful promise we can have if you get into that position to not just daily desire God and consecrate yourselves to that, but make that commitment, God gets my best. He gets my first, not my worst. Okay? And this is what Jesus said, here's your payoff. I mean, we should do it anyway because we love him. But there is a wonderful side effect. Matthew 6, 25 and 33. Jesus speaking, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. You know, the rat race and all the things of this world. And they say, ugh. He says, first of all, is not life more important than food? Okay? And and your body more important than clothes? Okay? There's something more important going on here. Okay? But wouldn't it be neat if he could just somehow tell us, what do we got to do? Jesus, I want to. Does anybody want to live a life without worry? On a regular basis, whoo, anybody besides nobody? Bobby, praise God. I'll give you some gum later. Right? What do you do? Listen, you seek what? Here's all you got to do, Christian. You seek first, not last. You seek first his, God's kingdom, and his what? His righteousness, right way of living, i.e., obey him. You put that first, and all these things, what? Will be given to you as well. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be living in a Taj Mahal, Again, that's a false teaching, right? But you know what? Praise God, I've done this before. It's, with all due respect, doesn't look like any of us here are starving. Okay? So he's giving us what we need to eat, right? No, chicken's evil, don't even start. Up. Right? There's a water fountain out there in case you're thirsty, but that God's provided for that. We're just giving us a drink. And praise God, y'all got clothes on because it'd be really hard to preach right now. But listen, every week, you come up here, right? I didn't sanitize my hall. But guess what? You got a place to sleep, right? You got food in your gut. got plenty of water out in the foyer. Life is good. God's taking care of us, right? So it's not a perfect life. But Jesus says the good news, when you put God, listen, when you put him first, when you give him your best every single day, You make a consecrated, I am set apart. I'm not just desiring God, I want to do his will, but you know what, I am committed to giving him my best. What's the payoff? You know what, all that whole rat race thing? Just enjoy a wonderful day with me. I'll take care of that stuff. You just seek me first. Seek my kingdom, my righteousness. You just get focused on me. Just get focused on obeying me, doing what I'm telling you to do. Listen, you give me your best. I'll take care of the rest. Now, that should be on a T-shirt. Give me your best. I'll take care of the rest. Have a nice day. Isn't that wonderful? Now, surely that's what we're doing, right? We're giving God our best. We're seeking him first, man. We're desiring to be obedient. He is top priority, right? We would never think about giving him leftovers. Are you kidding me? Uh, Unfortunately, no, folks, we're giving people our best, all right. It's not that we don't give our best. It's just we don't give God our best. We give our job the best. We give the government our best. Tax time's coming up. We give the IRS our best. We give all these other people our best, right? Show up to work on time. Got to make it there. Hey, look at me, boss. But when it comes time to God, what's he get from you? Leftovers. Leftovers. Well, when I get it, I get it. We're Christians. You know, we're feeling kind of guilty. You know, we try to rationalize it. We know we shouldn't live like this. We go through the motions. we punch punching our It's time clock. And we say, well, hey, come on. At least I showed up this Sunday, preacher. I mean, come on. At least, at least once a month. I'm, I'm busy. Don't you? What's the big deal? The big deal is, folks, we have a relationship with God, not a religion. It's this behavior that gives a bad witness to the lost because they see it too. And they're going, wow, you ain't very excited about Jesus. You could frankly give a rip. You rarely ever go, and yet you tell me I need him. Apparently you don't. Jesus died on the cross, not for a religion, but for an intimate, loving, personal, beautiful relationship with each one of us. That's to be lived out every day, and love is our motive. We're so thankful for, we're so grateful. Nobody has to twist your arm. You're just grateful. And you need to realize that because it's a relationship with God, he takes this behavior very serious, giving him leftovers. If there's one thing that the Bible is serious about, it's this. Leftovers is offensive to God. Offensive to God i didn't say that here's just one scripture man malachi 1 6 and 8 and 14 i'm a father god says common sense where is the honor due me oh if i'm a master oh you're our master if i'm a master then where's the respect due me says the lord almighty but you have oh come on god i mean we're here right we showed up this week what's going on how are we showing contempt for your name here's your acid test you give me leftovers you give me the worst When you bring in blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? Excuse me? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Remember, according to the law, it's the best. Oh, you're going through the motions. At least it's an animal, but it's crippled. It's blind, it's diseased. Why don't you just go out in the garbage can and pick something up? That's what he's saying. Are you kidding me? Try offering them to your governor. Right? Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? I don't think so. He says, for I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to what? It is to be feared among the nation. Here comes the sting. In essence, what God is telling the people of Israel at this time, he says, how dare you? Here I am, the creator of the universe, after all I've done for you, and you give the IRS, you give the government, you give your boss better treatment than me. I give you my son, Jesus Christ, New Testament Christian now. I saved you from eternal damnation and hell and yet these other entities get greater respect. Oh you'll bust your back for them. But you give me a piece of lint. Are you kidding me? Listen. Praise God, our salvation is complete, amen? But you need to understand, this breaks God's heart. After all he's done, how could you give me your worst? I gave you my breath. Every day you have breath. How dare you hurt me like that? You go through the motions, it's dry stale, leftover, just to keep up appearances. Now, the crazy thing is, we act like God doesn't see this when he does. Now, it's January. I thought this was very interesting timing. Again, as I forewarned you, hitting this study. I didn't pick it. God did. But January, what's that thing that we usually typically do? It's time for New Year's resolutions. And as Christians, what do we do? We do the Christian version. I'm gonna read the Bible more. I'm gonna get serious about obeying God more, right? Right? But see, if you still got this heart, come on! You're just going through the motions. And God sees the whole thing. You might as well get up in public and have this kind of a New Year's resolution. Let's take a
1: look.
2: This year, I'll spend less time with God.
1: I will hide my faith from my coworkers. This year, I will spend more and tithe less.
0: I will read the Bible as little as possible.
2: I will remain silent
1: when I know I should speak. This year, this year, this year, I will not share my faith with my best friend. I will shirk leadership responsibilities every chance I get. I will continue to justify my bad behavior
2: and give God my leftovers. This year, this year,
1: this year, I will let the busyness of life squeeze God out.
0: Yep, turn to somebody and say, don't do that this year. <laughs> right? Now, now, now we, 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 of course, we're Christians. We, we say, of course not. But God sees our heart. Spent a couple of weeks into the new year, how are we doing? Or are we already there? As if God doesn't see this. May not be coming out of your mouth. God sees what's coming out of our heart. It's on his video screen every day. One last thing, a little point of conviction. That's bad enough, hurting God like that. But then I've actually noticed this in ministry over the years. You know you start punching your time clock and you're only doing the bare minimum, it's all just to keep up appearances. You're giving God leftovers. It's a way of life now. But even when you show up, you got this horrid attitude. Like the people of Amos Day. Watch this, man. This one's totally convicting. Amos chapter 8, 4, 5, and 7. Hear this, you who say, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain again? Come on, i got stuff to do. And the Sabbath, we got to market wheat. This is supposed to be their worship service. Listen to this. The Lord has sworn, I will never Forget anything they have done. Excuse me? First of all, you don't really even desire me. You're desiring the things of this world after all I've done for you. Right? You're not giving me anything. You're not giving me the best. You're giving me the worst. And then when you show up, you have the audacity to say, Come on, hurry up, preacher. It's noon. There's a the game on. I got to go shopping. I got to go play pool. I got to plant flowers. I got to walk that dog. I've got my arts and crafts. I've got anything and everything to do but God. Hurry it up! We don't do that, do we? No, no, we don't. That's those people way over there. Not even close to Vegas. No way. No, 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 no. And then, listen, here's what I've noticed. I've, I've actually counseled folks like this. Then you have the audacity to, quote, get mad at God Shake it fist to him. When this is what you do. When you're looking to the world's and the world's way for your deliverance. I get it. There's times when we have muck and mire. But you don't desire God. You're giving him your worst leftovers and even when you show up you got this sour rotten attitude. And as if he doesn't see it. It's crazy folks. Just get back. To giving him your desires. Give him your heart. Make that decision again every day. I am going to follow Jesus. I got it. I got got seduced by this wicked world system. I used to live that way before I was a Christian, and I knew better, but somehow I got off track. Get back on track. Choose this day who you will serve. Are you tired of it? Here's the good news. Just put him first again. Seek first his king. Right now, today. It doesn't have to drag on. Oh, no, now I'm going to have to do pins for six months because I've been away from God for so long. He, he doesn't play that game. Don't you remember the prodigal son? He turned and spurned and rejected his father. And he finally came to his senses. He's playing in the world. He's eating pig slop. Have you ever been there? Have you ever gone back to eating pig slop after being a Christian? And you come to your senses and you go, what have I done? i got to get back on track with God. i got to make that commitment. i got to consecrate myself. To and you start going back to the Father's house and God's there going, oh, I don't think so, pal. We're going to talk about this and you're going to grovel for a lot. He, he saw him, which means he was looking for him. He was waiting for him. And when he came, what did he do? <laughs> he threw him a party. And it was with beef, by the way. Whoever said that chicken thing. They killed a the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. robe. Yeah, he's lost. He's, that's God. He wants intimacy with this, just like that. But the enemy tricks you into think, oh, no, it can never happen that easy. I could never have that warm heart for Jesus again. I can. Yes, you can. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You just take that first step like the prodigal son, And say, I choose to follow Jesus again. And every day when you get up, you consecrate yourself to that truth, and I'm going to follow him today. And it may not be perfect, but this is a new way, I'm getting back on track today. That's the way out of this mess. Now, even after all this, if you still resist, and you still, even after this, anybody convicted today? The rest of your hands are busted. (laughs) If you still resist turning back to God, then maybe you got a bigger problem on your hand. Like this guy. Watch this. Hey, I'm Ryan.
2: I'm a Christian, and this is my story. Growing up, I never missed going to church when I was 12, I accepted Christ as my savior. I I was even baptized. It it undoubtedly was a very important decision. It even affected how I lived in high school. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I had fun on the weekends. I had a girlfriend, a couple, but I was a normal high school kid. College was one big blur but I did make it to church out of obedience and after school I married a great girl and she's been a great influence on me life's been good I have a house three kids I couldn't ask for more I mean sure I worry about my future I mean, my marriage it could be better and I need to spend more time with my kids but but things will be alright I have my faith, you may not hear me talk about it a lot, but that's just because it's personal. But don't worry for me, my Jesus is real.
0: Can I tell you something? If all you got is a plastic Jesus, it might be a sign that you're a plastic Christian. And can I tell you something? A plastic Christian is a fake Christian. I didn't say that, God did. Here's just one passage of Scripture. Where is your desire? Who gets your best? And if it's not God, if it's this world, you've got a major problem on your hands. 1 John chapter 2, 15-17. through 17. Do not love this world or anything in the world. Yes, you've got to exist. Yes, you've got to get a job. Yes, you've got to pay bills. But where's your heart? Who do you love the most? Because here's your acid test if anyone loves the world the what the love of the father is not in him Stop kidding yourself for the everything in the world the cravings of the sinful man the lust of his eyes The boasting what he has and does, you know The rat race things and all this stuff comes not from the father But from this world the world and its desires pass away, but the man who what? Who does the will of god lives forever? Now, does that mean he does the will of God because he's trying to earn his way into heaven? Absolutely not. Because it is not a works-based salvation. It is based solely on the work of Jesus Christ. It's a gift from God. But again, the natural response after God has done it all, what is just a basic, normal, logical response. What would you like me to do, God? You saved me from eternal damnation from hell. You save me from this wicked, crazy, messed up world. I want to do your will. Not because I'm trying to get to heaven. That's already taken care of through Jesus. The person who seeks to do the will of God is giving a good sign he's not plastic. But if you could give a rip about doing the will of God, and even after today, exposing that your desire is not for God, It's for the things of this world. The love of the Father is not in you. And I don't know that scary line. How far can you push that and somehow still be a Christian? I don't know. But do you really want to play that game? You really want to risk hell? If you love him, I think the goal of the Christian is we know we're not perfect, we never will be. But the goal is to See how much closer we can get to Jesus before we get to see Jesus, not how close we can get to this world and somehow still be a Christian. But the good news is, if you turn to Jesus, surrender to him, all to him, even your sins. The scripture says, he'll give you a real heart. He'll get rid of that plastic heart. He'll give you a real relationship with him, not a plastic one, but you've got to come to him today. You'll experience his fruit. Your life may not be perfect, but when you follow him, before you get to see him face to face, you will always come out on top, but you must choose this day whom you will serve. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. We're not holy, we're not perfect like Him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie.